We hope you enjoy our homily podcast. Please consider supporting the ministry of Our Lady of Lourdes by donating to the Future Full of Hope Capital Campaign at lourdesdenver.org. We are so grateful for your support. Who are wise, who study, people who seek God. At the time that the New Testament was written, it was thought that to the east were people who were especially spiritual. They had a claim, the Persians particularly, had a claim to all kind of mystical knowledge. They knew about the gods. So there's something special here with God drawing the people who know the most about the gods to this little baby in Bethlehem. The great nobility of this moment. So there's two main things that are revealed um, that are kind of set to light. Paul talks about the mystery is revealed to him and to the Christian. There's kind of two parts to that mystery. The one, the first is that God has fulfilled his promises to the world, particularly his promises to Israel. So in the first reading, we hear the prophet Isaiah talk about how, how God promises to lift up his chosen people and to glorify them by making them a light to the other nations. God had promised this to Abraham. He said, your descendants will bless the nations of the world. God had chosen the people and given them this identity that he would, he would make them bless the peoples of the world. That somehow they would have a privileged place in history and in the world um, to, to reveal God to the world. This was the people who God walked very closely with, um, revealing himself in this people, letting them come to know him so that they could tell the rest of the nations about who God was. Now, the, the irony of this, uh, of this prophecy for Isaiah was that it was prophesied at a time when the people were in exile. It's like a time of the Great Depression. Um, God saying, you were, you're going to be richer than you could ever imagine. But the people know, I can't even get my bread right now. I got no food to eat. You know, my people are starving. My children, I'm worried about their future. And that was the people Israel, when, when God sends his prophet to say, you will be glorified among the nations. Kings will come to you to ask about God. Kings will bring you their wealth and the wealth of the nations to honor you because you have this special place, because you belong to God. And God will, will, has promised to fulfill um, his, to be present to the world through you, to bless the world in you. And this is, the, this, this is the, the kind of language that Matthew uses to describe the coming of the Magi. Um, language specifically used by the prophet Isaiah. They'll, kings will come from all over the world and they'll bring their frankincense and they'll bring their gold, they'll bring their wealth to you, Israel. So this moment is a moment when God is revealing that he has been faithful what he promises he's going to do. And that in Jesus, God has made, is making himself known. What's more, God has promised to Israel that he's going to provide a king. That he's going to provide a king who represents himself in the world so that he can rule over the whole world. A world that's fallen in, in, and is awash with, with wars, with problems. All these people saying, we need someone to lead us. 
Does that sound familiar? <laughs> uh, I need not critique anything else. Um, that's the story of the world. That's the story of history. It's not a new story. It's a story from the beginning of time. We need a leader who is just, who brings peace, who does something that human beings cannot do. And this is the celebration of this moment, the revelation that God is with us and that God is king, that God has become one of us in order to lead us, and that the world belongs to him. The other kings, they come and they bow down to this little child who is the king. Herod, the king in the land, fears this king, fears this child. He's nothing yet, no? But he fears this child because he knows God is promising a great king like, unlike the world has ever seen. It's a revelation to us today, and we celebrate because that king still reigns. God has been faithful to his promise, and he remains faithful to his promise. That God still reigns. And that God, who has chosen us in baptism and made us a new people of God, his own people, continues to promise us his presence and his providence. He continues to promise that the Christians will be the light in the world, that his people will bless the world. Paul says not only the Jewish people, but God is opening it up to the Gentiles, to everyone. That in following Jesus, in claiming his name, in receiving his salvation, in claiming him as king, that we all participate in the people of God. Now, it doesn't always feel like that. I don't know if you know this, but for me, it doesn't always feel like this. I know personally that uh, I've been saved. This is, this is like such a beautiful revelation to me, and it's something to celebrate always something to celebrate. I've been saved from the chaos of my own sin, the chaos, the chaos of my own life, of the circumstances of my life, of my history. Um, I think I should be dead. I think I, I might physically be dead if it weren't for God's grace. I certainly would be spiritually dead and lost. I wouldn't have the meaning that I have, and um, I wouldn't know the truth wouldn't know God. Um, so I'm very grateful for that. It's just a beautiful thing, and I celebrate that. And I think we all do. We all should. Um, yeah, we found our king. But I don't know that everyone always recognizes that. I try to tell people, this is worth it. You know, people who don't recognize Jesus as king, people who aren't religious, people who mock God, mock religion, um, mock the Catholic Church fullness of the presence of Jesus, sacraments, the life of prayer. They say it's a waste of time. Uh, I try to say, no, it's really, really good. I love it. You know, I wish it for everyone. I want them to know the freedom that God gives. I want them to know the peace that God gives. I want people to know the salvation that God brings in, into life, the experience of forgiving when we can't forgive, you know, miracles. That's the life of the Christian, and not everybody believes. Most people don't care. They don't want to hear the message. They don't need to hear the message, whatever it is. And I don't know, I don't know how that works. I can't judge. Um, you know? But it's supposed to be, God says, everyone on earth will come to adore me. That's a promise. 
Everyone will be blessed by the people of God, and the wealth of the nations will pour in um, to honor God and to honor his people. The people who are chosen, they'll be recognized. And I think that's a prophecy that isn't, isn't yet fulfilled. It has been fulfilled in Jesus, but it's in process in human history, and it's still in process. When all come to know the glory of God in the world. That epiphany is ongoing. And it's great to be a part of it. But I think there's something more. I, I think there's another piece to this um, epiphany. As if that's not enough. We should, we're celebrating that. Um, salvation has come. We have a king. I had a friend who recently asked me, I think, a, a very provocative question for me. And I don't know if, if you've ever had this question, but I think it's, it's a good one. And it's very pertinent um, to kind of how people look at religion these days. So he asked me this. He said, it seems it's nice to hear that God is close to this people, has chosen a people, and um, has saved us. Kind of sounds like God wants to give us this gift of heaven so that uh, he can be praised. Because he needs praise because he needs honor. God has become, it seems like God has become one of us to prove that God is great. And he said, yeah, he was careful. <laughs> he's a good Catholic. Uh, he's a relatively new Catholic, but he's a good Catholic. And, um, but he was honest. And he says, this, sometimes he wonders if God is a, a grand narcissist. You know, he wants a lot of puppets. He needs to populate heaven to make, uh, to make a choir for, for his praise. And I, th I thought, oh, well, that's a, it's an interesting way of looking at, at the whole story. And there is something that smacks of this kind of triumphalism that we can be tempted to and, and confused into reading out of the scriptures. That very arbitrarily, God has given us the gift of faith and then, uh, because we're the suckers who are going to bow down and come and adore, and really because he needs this, this sort of praise, um, that the glory then of the human being, uh, the greatest thing we can do is to sort of find the right way and then make it into this um, heavenly palace. Um, it's kind of like puppets of God. Uh, of course, that's a disturbing thought, no? I hope that disturbs you. <laughs> um, if you've been walking with this God for any time, you know that there's something wrong with that, that picture. And what's wrong with that is that God does not save us just to make us servants of the king. The Christian wants to do that. We want to serve the king because we know the king and we know that the king is love. But the Christian knows something that people can't see from the outside which is that the whole point of this story is so that God can break through. And instead of us saying, finally, we can see the heavens and now we can praise God what we couldn't see before. It's God looking down into the darkness and saying, I want in. I want in and I'm going to open a door. Why? Because he wants to love us. Because God wants to to shower his love upon us. That God wants to take us in our, our littleness, in our lost 
condition. Here we are, dust on the earth, you know. Um, we feel important, but if you think about it, we're, we're dust. We're small. We're, what is it, seven billion people now? One of many, many, many people who have gone before, who will come after. The story really shouldn't be about us. But that's part of the revelation that's so miraculous, so beautiful for us Christians. That God has come into our world because he wants to love us. And it's a revelation of the big picture that God has made us for love and he's going to bring us back. He wants us in heaven not so that we grovel and that he has, his, he has some adorers, some fans. God doesn't need anything. God doesn't need any more glory. He's infinitely glorious. God doesn't need our praise. He gives us all of this. He invites us into this life because he wants to ennoble us. He wants to dignify us. He wants to get you to heaven so he can put you on a throne and say, this is my child. This is the one I love. This is the one that I want everybody to pay attention to because they, they bless you. That's... That's amazing. I can't even, I can't even ima- imagine what it is. You know? That's where John says, what we will be, uh, we cannot comprehend. But we are now our children of God. And Paul had said, all creation is awaiting the revelation of the children of God. So there's something so powerful deep in us that we can't even explain, but God is giving as a gift to the world a light to the world. Because God wants everybody, not just you and I, but everybody to know that they are loved by the most powerful and beautiful and good thing that is. And to live in that reality eternally. Not for him, uh, but for us. And also for him. (laughs) Because he loves us. And because a parent wants their child to know how much they're loved. Not because the parent is arrogant, but because they love the child. And they're proud when the child knows their love and their dignity. There's something satisfying about that. So it's okay that God is satisfied. But really, the goal in the end is for the love of humanity. That's the revelation. That Jesus has come and saved us, given us life. But what's more, that the purpose of that life is to draw us into this beautiful relationship of love with our Father. And not only now, but for eternity. I think a lot of times we spend um, kind of preaching the first, first piece. I don't want us to stop that. That Jesus is King, that the whole purpose of life is to find Jesus, the truth, the way, um, the life. That there's nothing better but I think a lot of times we, we kind of reach the limit of what we can say and what we can do. And I, I, I want to announce, to proclaim this good news that that's okay. Um, that God reveals himself. God reveals himself in the world. He has promised to do so and he reveals himself in us. I want to end with praying um, or reading, I suppose. This prayer that um, John Henry Newman wrote. It's a profound prayer, and it's one that I learned from the missionaries of charity, Mother Teresa's sisters. They pray it after Mass 
every, um, every Mass that they celebrate, they pray. And it expresses, I think, a beautiful piece of this mystery that is revealed today. That is, that God shines his light through, into the world through us. But it, that it doesn't come from our enthusiasm. It doesn't come from our trying too hard. Um, it just happens because God is light and God has made us light. So the prayer goes like this. Dear Jesus, help me to spread your fragrance everywhere I go. Flood my soul with your spirit and life. Penetrate and possess my whole being so utterly that my life may only be a radiance of yours. Shine through me and be so in me that every soul I come into contact with may feel your presence in my soul. Let them look up and see no longer me, but only Jesus. Stay with me, and then I shall begin to shine as you shine, so to shine as to be a light to others. The light, O Jesus, will be all from you. None of it will be mine. It will be you shining on others through me. Let me thus praise you the way you love best, by shining on those around me. Let me preach you without preaching, not by words, but my, by my example, by the catching force of the sympathetic influence of what I do, the evident fullness of the love my heart bears to you. Amen. Happy Epiphany. <laughs>